We are North Rock Church, where we exist to see lives redefined by being filled with life in Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Truth is, when you follow Jesus, we walk in purpose. Like if I'm following Jesus, I don't have to go Google, Google or Siri, what is my purpose? I don't have to pull up some AI situation and and try to get chat GPT to tell me what my purpose is. When the creation aligns with its creator, we just walk in purpose. It just happens and our life begins to make sense. Before we, well, I said that as we get going today, let, let, me, let me just get a show of hands. How many in the building at every location would identify as a risk taker? You like to take risks. You like to jump off of things. You like to jump out of things. You're that person who says, here, hold my drink. Watch this. Watch this. You're that, you're that person, right? Uh, okay. Um, how many of you are more like me and you just kind of play it safe. You're a little safer, you know, just kind of like, ah, I'm not going to jump off of that. I, I don't feel like I have to prove myself at this age. I, I'm not jumping off or out of anything. I'm, if an airplane is flying, I don't have any idea why anyone would want to jump out of it. Um, but, but in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he knows that he's about to be gone, like he's not going to be bodily on the earth to teach, preach, to heal, and all of that stuff to build the church. And so he's talking to his disciples about how it's going to be their responsibility. And they're a little bit overwhelmed by this responsibility that it's going to be on them to carry the, the message of Jesus after he is he's gone. And, and as we read this text in just a moment, I want you to understand, he was talking to his disciples, but he was talking to us, because every single one of us, we are the hands and the feet, as we've mentioned basically every week in this series. We are the mouthpiece of Jesus, of Jesus. And I'm guessing that the disciples were a little bit freaked out about the responsibility. They felt a little bit unqualified about the, that, that task. Anybody ever asked you to do something that you didn't feel qualified to do? Anybody ever given you a task and you were like, I, I don't think that I should be doing that? My first stop in ministry. Um, and like there was all sorts of things I could do. I could lead a song. Um, and I could help plan a little outreach event. There's all sorts of things I, I knew how to do. I, could, I was an awful preacher, but I could, I could stand on stage and, and actually communicate. Um, but we had some new land that we were clearing uh, for, to build a building. Y'all, I've been building, building the church since day one. And uh, the, the guy over the project called me one day and asked me to come uh, drive this thing around, move some dirt around on the property. And I'm like, bro, I mean, I, I'll, I'll drive a lawnmower. I can even handle the zero turn radius lawnmowers, but I can't do that. Now, he said, yes, you can get in there and do it. And, and I did. I don't think I should have. It was dangerous. I probably, it's probably, illi- it's got to be illegal for, you know, a 21 year old kid. Surely there's some kind of lies. I, I don't know, but I shouldn't, I was not qualified to do it. And I know that the disciples likely felt this way. And Jesus told them a story to help them understand their purpose, their role in building the church and building the kingdom. 
And he started telling them about a, a man who had a vineyard. And he was going away on a trip and he called three of his servants to, to him. And he gave them three different amounts of money. And said, I'm going away. I want you to do something with this money while I am gone. And he gave one servant one bag of gold. He gave another servant two bags of gold. And he gave a third servant five bags of gold. Gave them different numbers, different amounts according to their ability, the scripture says. But they were all given. And the truth is, one bag of gold, theologians say, represented about 15 years worth of wages. So even though one got one and one got five, the one that got one, that was still a lot of money. It was still a significant gift, a significant blessing. The guy who had five bags, he did amazing. Before the master got back, he doubled the money. And when the master got back, he had 10. The guy who had two bags did the same. He doubled his money. And when the master got back, he had four bags of gold. The guy who had one bag of gold, though, he just got a little too carried away with life and too busy scrolling the ground and seeing what was going on around town and um, he got a little frustrated that there were other people that had more likes and more followers than him. And he, he, he couldn't help but think about the person who had two bags of gold. And he only had one bag of gold. Like, she's prettier than I am. Or he just got more talent than I do. And then there's the guy with the five bags. You know, his dad just, you know, he's got a silver spoon in his mouth. I mean, I just don't have the chance that they have. So he did nothing with the one bag of gold that he had been given. And when the master came home in verse 24, Jesus said that the servant who had given, uh, given 1,000, the one bag of gold said, and this is the message paraphrase. I just, I'm reading this today because it just kind of brings the story to light. Master, I know you have high standards and you hate careless ways. That you demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. I want you to pay attention to that. I was afraid that I might disappoint. So instead of doing something with my gift, I found a hiding place and hid it. I secured it. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. So you might think, okay, well, at least he didn't lose anything, but that's not the point that Jesus was trying to get across. Remember the context. He was teaching his disciples about their purpose, their responsibility, to reach the world with his message. And he said, when I give you a gift, you need to do something with it. And here's how, he, here's how he tells the story. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do the less than the least? The least you could have done was to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest back. And Jesus continues to kind of unveil the significance of our purpose, and he turns up the heat even more. Watch how he ends the story. Verse 28, he says, take the, that one bag of gold, take the thousand that I gave to him, and give it to the one who risked the most. So Jesus is rewarding risk in this story, and he's punishing the play it safe. He said, get rid of this play it safe. Who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Like, Jesus, you, you mad, bro? Has it, been a, has it been a rough morning? Did you not get your coffee? Or have you had too much coffee? 
I mean, Jesus just kind of calmed down a little bit. But here's where we're headed today. If you write things down, I want you to write this down. There is often sin in safety and playing it safe. Jesus infers in this text that when it comes to our divine purpose, you can sin by playing it safe. Now, the Jesus that I grew up hearing about was not really like the guy in this story. I mean, I grew up thinking in my mind that Christianity was really more of a retreat to safety than anything else. I don't know if anybody else grew up that way. Like, I grew up with keeping the bad people out there, and we retreated to safety. I mean, I was one step short of a compound, you know, like, like keep the dirty, sinful people out there. Like, the Jesus that I grew up hearing about was flannel graphs, and, and he was petting lambs, and he was sitting on clouds, and he had long, flowing locks. And, and, and then I read about this, this story right here, and this doesn't seem like the lamb petter, like, this just doesn't seem like he's kicking a guy out just because he played it safe. And this is in my face because I, as I said from the beginning, my nature, my natural bend is to be safe. Like, like I've, I've, I've been safe my whole life and as I get older, I'm just, I'm getting safer. I feel like I'm drawn to things that are safe, like safe cars and, and, and safety deposit boxes and savings accounts and safe houses and safety locks. Let's put a lock on that thing. I mean, I don't even watch scary movies. Um, you know, I stopped doing that years ago. It's, it's not safe enough. And the, the truth is, why, why in the world would I pay $12 to be terrified? Why would I pay to invite in what Jesus came to cast out? I don't really, I don't really understand that. Now, I, actually, I think that's pretty good preaching right there. We'll talk more about that in the next series when we dive off into mind games because some of us letting stuff in that shouldn't be there, and you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing with if you hadn't let stuff in. So you need to wake up and realize that. But safety, like we teach our kids safety, right? Don't touch that. It's not safe. Don't climb on that. It's not safe. Don't go out in the street. It's not safe. I love baseball. I love baseball. You know, the main, the main reason, the main purpose, I should say, of the game of baseball is to be safe. Like, it's all about, it's all about safety. And a lot of times, this is the goal of so many people and even believers. We have this idea that playing it safe is godly. That, that if we're going to be risking, that's that, that we, shouldn't, we shouldn't risk. Like we should just play it safe. And then we're confronted with, in this text with a Savior who clearly does not celebrate safe. Especially as it relates to what he has given you. The blessings that he has poured into your life. And so I want to show you the reason there's often sin in safety. The sin in safety, number two, is that it removes the need... For a savior. It removes the need for a savior because if I'm not risking, then there's no faith required. So safety becomes a replacement for my savior. And I wind up literally uh, making safety an idol in my life. And I've seen this again and again and again where people are sitting around on their talents on their gifts, on their finances, on all sorts of things that God has blessed them with. And they're not investing them and using them for the purpose of Christ. 
because they're just kind of protecting. People who have gifts that don't want to put themselves out there. Like, I, I mean, I can sing, I can play an instrument or whatever, but I don't want to put myself out there. I'm afraid to lead a small group. What if, what if nobody joins my small group? Well, so what? So what? Figure out a different group to lead. Maybe your idea is a bad idea. Come up with a better idea. But put, put your gift out there. Lord, listen to me. North Rock, uh, your church needs you. North Rock family, your church needs you. Jesus needs you to invest the gift that he has given you. If you have an ability, don't sit. Don't bury something that God has called you to build. Don't bury that gift. Put it to work. You might say, well, I really can't do much of anything. But can you smile? Can you smile? Can you do that? Then you can stand at the door. You can welcome people as they walk through the door. Easiest job on campus. You just, good morning, good morning. You hold a sign. Can you point to parking spots? Y'all, it's the perfect time of the year to join the parking team. Come on, somebody. I mean, my phone said 64 degrees this morning. Now, back in June, July, August, September, dear God, it feels like the last six months is a bad time to be on the parking team because of the weather. It's a good time, always a good time to serve Jesus. But like we're getting into that time of year and we need you. Your church needs you. Kids Rock needs you to teach them about Jesus. Our student ministry, young adults need you to teach people about Jesus. Your church needs you and the life that Jesus died for you to live should never be defined by safe living. And I've seen churches who were more about protecting than about reaching. God did not call us to protect. Jesus does not need us to protect him. He needs us to obey him and do everything that we can to reach as many people with the grace of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. He's called us to bet the farm and risk it all for his cause. In fact, my life, number three, should be marked by impossibility because it always points to a savior. My life should be marked by impossibility. Like when we started North Rock, we've said from the very beginning, I want God to do something so amazing in this church and through the ministry of North Rock that when people look at us, they say, wow, God has to be with those people because there's no way they could do that on their own. Like, I want God to show up so big and so strong that it points to a Savior. Like, what we are endeavoring to do is impossible for us, but it's always been impossible for us. We've gotten where we are because of a Savior. We're going to get where we're going because of a Savior. Everything that happens is going to be because of Him. And we are in this time to build a growth initiative season. And uh, if you haven't been around, then you might not have heard, but most have heard already one way or another that we have a contract on some property six miles to the west of here on 1604 at Lock Hill Selma. And we understand that we're going to have to expand our broadcast location in order to do everything that God has called us to do. Number one, in order to reach more people in North San Antonio, we need more seats, specifically on Sunday mornings. We need more seats for more souls. I don't like people not having seats to sit in, and we've been in overflow a lot of Sundays at this location, uh, specifically in the 10 and 11.30 service, and I don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I would 
prefer, I prefer to have plenty of seats. And so we are looking to build a building on this property, assuming all goes well with, with feasibility, and, and we're able to get funding, a, a, build, a beautiful building, like a lighthouse for Jesus in North San Antonio, so that people can come and find him, a hospital for the hurting, like a, whatever, however you want to see it, a lighthouse, a hospital, so that people can come in their, in their, in their difficult situations out of their traumatic experiences and out of the hell that's out there and walk into the doors of this building and experience some heaven. And uh, this building is going to have 1,700 plus seats and it will have crazy, amazing kids rock space and office space and warehouse space to help adequately support our multi-site vision, which is to have locations all over the region. We have three locations right now. Uh, we intend to have at least 10, and then I'm, I'm believing we'll go beyond that. Um, but Time to Build is an initiative that we started in order to help fund this project. Because it's big vision, but big vision requires big funding. And who does God use? Well, he uses us. He's able to do what we can't do, but we have to step up and do what we can do. And so the, our, our goal in this, in this initiative is $12 million raised over three years, $12 million over three years, and $2 million up front, $2 million up front. And uh, we're believing God for that. I will tell you that our leaders gathered earlier this week. The leaders at Northrock gathered and gave sacrificially our first best gift offering and then also committed three years to, to a three-year offering. And we raised over $900,000 already this, this earlier this week and had $2.8 million committed. I think that is worth celebrating. And that's just out of about 100 households. So I know we have, we have way more than that that call North Rock home. And I want everybody to participate. In fact, our number one goal for Time to Build is 100% participation. I want everybody to be involved in sowing into this opportunity. Because I, I want you to feel the gratification, the significance after the fact, knowing I helped make that. I, I teamed up with God to make that dream become a reality. And it's not about equal amounts. We understand that. But it's about equal sacrifice above and beyond your normal tithing and offering. And we're going to get into that here in just, in just a moment. But before we do, I want to kind of flesh out this, this idea of, of not playing it safe and safety being a savior. And then I want to pray over you. Um, because this idea of safety being your savior, rather than risking for the purpose and cause of Christ, plays out in so many, of our, so many areas of our lives. You can be worshiping safety when you isolate yourself because you don't want to risk being hurt again. A lot of people have been hurt. We've all been hurt at times. And the enemy wants you to close up and isolate yourself. But this is not what, how God has called you to live. God has called you to have connections, to be connected with people, to be in relationship with others, to be in a small group, to be serving, to be connected. You can't go into your full purpose if you are isolating yourself and unwilling to trust and allow people into your life. We, we serve safety we, we worship safety when we don't worship God with our finances, with our tithes and our offerings, because we're afraid we're not going to have enough. 
Like, as long as we live with the money that we have and the stuff that we have close-handed like this, we won't even enjoy the stuff that we have because we'll feel like it's not enough. Like, when you live like this, you're living with a scarcity mentality. I can't let go of anything, which, which in your mind is telling you it's not enough, and somebody's always got a better house and a faster car, right? But, but the moment that you do this right here, you start recognizing the significance of generosity and God blesses you and he starts showing you what he does when we are generous. And now you start to enjoy the stuff that you have which God wants you to enjoy. He's not trying to get you to sell everything and go live under a bridge. He wants you to enjoy the stuff that you have. He just wants you to live open-handed, willing to give, willing to trust him. And then he brings abundance into your life rather than scarcity. He brings faith into your life rather than fear. We, we serve safety whenever we hide a secret sin in order to maintain a certain image. We serve in safety. Rather than sharing your struggles with a friend or a pastor or a leader so that you can find healing. We're afraid to risk. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. I got got to protect myself. You can't heal that way. You can't heal that way. And God wants you to live in freedom. And the only way you're going to live in freedom is to open up about what you're struggling with. We worship safety whenever we are afraid to fully surrender our life to Jesus. Like fully surrender. The book of Revelation says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He said, as a matter of fact, Jesus said it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens, I will come in and I will eat with him. But a lot of us are really afraid to open our life to Jesus because we feel like I'm safer here. If he comes in, there's no telling what will happen. I, in 2023, nobody really wants to open the door for anybody. Like We're afraid. If the doorbell rings out, who is at the door? Like, do y'all, y'all expect somebody? We're looking around the corner trying to see. Who's there? Who's there? We don't trust. So we're playing it safe. And a lot of us are playing it safe as far as our relationship with God. I, I, I'm afraid to open the door. I'm really afraid to open the door. Listen, if you'll open up the door, if you'll just take a little step of risky faith and say, all right, Jesus, you can come in. You can have everything. Like he brings peace and joy and hope and life and freedom. All of these blessings and abundance into your life. But you have to risk opening the door and letting him in. That's good. Go ahead and you clap for that. You got to open up the door and let him in. He's looking for people who are willing to step out and risk. To practice dangerous faith. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for those that are not in a relationship with Jesus. You've come to church today, and you know that you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Like, you might feel a million miles from him. I believe that you've experienced in this room today the truth that you are not a million miles from him, but he's right here with you. And it doesn't matter how broken you feel, he loves you like you are. It doesn't matter how messed up you feel, he accepts you just like you are. He loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He's knocking, hoping that you will open the door and let him in. You don't need to try to get everything in order before you let him in. 
You let him in and he helps you pick up those pieces, put everything back together. He helps make all things new, new. So if that sounds good to you, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or maybe you need to re-surrender your life to Jesus. This moment is for you. So at every location with all heads bowed, eyes closed, if you'd say, Jonathan, I need a fresh start today. I, I want to open the door. I want to let Jesus in today. Will you throw a hand in the air right now? Let me see it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Leave them up, please. Leave them up. Thank you. I want to see every hand. Come on, Midtown. Come on, Bulverde. Yes, leave, leave them up. Hands all over the building at Stone Oak. Come on, Midtown. Yes, yes, yes. Leave them up for just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put your hands down now. Hey, I'm going to pray a simple prayer of surrender. I invite everybody to pray this prayer along with me. You can use your words or you can use mine. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. This amazing weekend, I'm making a fresh start with you. This last week of I Love My Church, I'm opening my heart to you, my life to you. I'm opening the door and letting you in. Jesus, I repent today. I repent from my sins. I ask you to save me today. Make my life clean like only you can. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you gave your life for me and that you rose from the grave. And today I'm making a fresh start with you as Lord of my life. I'm letting you in. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, a big hand for those who took that step of faith, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's so incredible. Thank you for responding to God's word.